Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Oh, it's so good to see you again. I'm glad uh, that this morning you, you seem more joyful, I'm going to say, more joyful than you did when we initially made eye contact uh, last week. I'm so thankful that I get to be here. Uh, it does, if you, have, if, you haven't, if you haven't met me, uh, as Olivia said, my name is Rob, and I am like a cousin of uh, Southridge, a cousin from Zimbabwe slash Doylestown. Uh, and so it's such an honor to be here and hang out with you guys. Uh, last week, as you know, I prayed for the middle school retreat, and, and they were here. They were in your homes. I was like, out there, Lord, please do our work. And he's like, yeah, they're in my kitchen right now. So they're actually away this week. So we just, we just transfer those prayers from last week to this week, and we pray for those same things uh, to be happening. Um, this series has been a blessing to me. Uh, already just, just being here, uh, but also just listening to the sermons that uh, have, have kind of led up to where we are. And I'm, I'm just going to encourage you uh, to just continue to allow the Holy Spirit uh, to do a work in your hearts and to uh, lead you to a place where we are rooted in the things of God so that we can see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I know that it's uh, as followers of Jesus, we know that we're not always, you know, hitting every every ball out of the park when it comes to us, you know, walking this out, right? Sometimes we, we fall short, sometimes we fail, but it doesn't mean that God is not doing something in your life. I, I want to make it clear, having uh, the, the, the fruit of joy doesn't mean that every situation, like you're just joyful all the time, we sometimes miss the mark. We sometimes can't see that fruit in our lives. And today we're going to be talking about peace. And I can tell you that you can pursue peace all you want, but peace is one of those funny things that it doesn't feel like it's entirely in your control, right? It doesn't feel like you are in control of peace at all times. I just remembered a situation where there was fruit in my life that I thought was very evident. I thought I was incredibly peaceful and joyful. And I also thought that... You know, I was a peaceful dude, you know, and I was in Marshalls, uh, you know, which is where every good story starts. I was in Marshalls and uh, I was getting some things and this kid came up to me, you know, like he, with his little trolley, you know, those Marshalls trolleys, uh, they're pretty big. And uh, he just rammed into my cart and, um, uh, sorry, cart, those carts, right? It was like trolley, those carts and he rammed into my cart and I was like, What? You know what I mean? I looked at this kid. He must have been a middle schooler, maybe 14, 15. And I was like, Does the, you know what? I'm going to go from Pastor Rob to Gangster Rob like right now. Uh, you know, so I, in my mind, okay, I never actually walked this out, but I was thinking it in my head. I was just about to make that decision to go, well, he gave me a little, a little bump. I'm going to give that little bump back, uh, but with just a little bit more force just to let him know that I'm here. And as I was about to push my Marshall's trolley filled with all those amazing goods that you can get from uh, caramel popcorn to uh, bath towels. I, I looked and then I just ran, I was about to ram into the truck and he, and he looked back at me and he said, Pastor Rob! And I was like, no! <laughs> I 
I'm so glad. You know, I'm so glad that I didn't go through with it. I was like, can you imagine that? Like little middle schooler in your church is like, well, my leg's broken because the pastor like just kept ramming his marshals cart into mine. And uh, you know, what a terrible way to lose your job, you know? Like, uh, but I, I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, I, I'm not in control of peace. It almost feels like even if you're having the most peaceful day, someone can come and rob your peace immediately. And so therefore, we need to be rooted in the things of God. We need to be aware that we need to guard our peace. And the passage of scripture that we're going to read today is going to address all those things. And it's going to show us the peace that God has for us, the peace that God wants us to pursue. But I'm, going to, I'm just going to say a little disclaimer here before I go any further. I, I couldn't possibly cover everything I could say about peace in the, next, in the next 30 minutes or 35 or maybe 40 to 45, to be honest. <laughs> Some of you are hopeful. It's like, he said 30. Um, I couldn't cover it all. There's so much, but we're going to be anchored in a passage of Scripture that talks about peace. And we're going to see some things about peace, but we're also going to see in Scripture that these things are not always the same in every situation. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, and we're going to start here in verse 4. Philippians 4 verse 4. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Father, we pray that you've already prepared the hearts in this room that will receive the words that we're going to read today that give life. Father, I pray that seeds will be sown, seeds of peace will be sown this morning that will bear much fruit in our lives. I ask, Lord, that you would be the loudest voice in this room, that you would speak to us, Lord, and that we would be transformed, Lord, but the renewing of our minds as we're rooted in your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So here we look at peace and um, this passage that I just read, it actually starts with, uh, before if we start in verse 1, it actually starts with Paul telling the church in Philippi, uh, it starts with him saying that, hey, you need to address some conflict that's happening in your church. You need to address this beef that has been erupting in the church between these two women that are really commendable leaders in the church. And so we find that this passage of scripture is rooted in conflict resolution. That's why there's this peace that has been spoken of because these two ladies, Yodia and Sintiki, have been butting heads and, um, and they love Jesus. 
I know it doesn't, I know you've never seen this at, at Southridge because you're perfect, but it is possible that two people who love Jesus with all their hearts and are committed to laboring for the gospel can actually have conflict. It, it actually does happen, only in other churches, but it does happen. And we see here in this passage of scripture that Paul is addressing this conflict. And he starts by addressing this conflict with this exhortation to rejoice in the Lord. And he says, again, just like he's saying it one more time for those in the back, in case you never heard me, again I say, rejoice. So we find here that from last week to this week, there's like a bridge between joy and peace. Rejoicing in the Lord, always, and leading us to a place where we can actually where we can actually experience the peace of God. And so he's encouraging the church to do that. And so we see that the first thing that he is kind of addressing here in this passage of scripture is something that is an enemy of peace. We find that because there's conflict, because there's division, and we'll find that in Galatians chapter five, it mentions some of these things, the passage that this series has been rooted in. It mentions the fact that there are things that we think that, are, uh, we, that can feel like they're satisfying to us, but they're actually works of the flesh, and some of these things are enemies to peace. I can tell tell you that um, when, when Paul says the strife, enmity, when he says jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, all these things are enemies of peace. Even though they seem to promise some kind of satisfaction, that if I were to just divide people, uh, it, it would bring satisfaction. Actually, the Bible would say that brings chaos and it's an enemy of peace. And so church, if we're in this room and we're living through 2023, we're living in 2023 in the United States of America, in New Jersey, we would know that, uh, I don't know if there's a heart in this room that's not exhausted by the constant conflict in our world. It almost feels like the word of the day is division. The word of the day is chaos. The word of the day is conflict, Right? Like, I don't know if anyone has ever gone to Facebook and gone to the comment section going, I just hope I find some peace here. <laughs> Even if the post is about going to Trader Joe's, someone will have some, how dare you shop at Trader Joe's, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, I just wanted some guac. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's conflict in the comment section. We live in a constant in a world that, that almost feels like constant conflict needs to always, it always needs to be there. And so peace is something that God gives. And we, as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you have access to that peace. The peace that the world so desperately wants and longs for, we have access to it. What an amazing thing. So Paul here is unpacking this because there's conflict He's encouraging people toward this peace. And so we find here that his first exhortation in that is he says, after he says, you must have joy, you must rejoice, he says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Churches, your reasonable known to everyone. 
that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are the ones who are reasonable. We are the ones who can bring this reasonableness that can be known to everyone. And we're talking about fruit. And I'll tell you this, church, right? One thing you can know is you identify trees by their fruit. Last week, we talked about Jesus saying that they'll be known by their fruits. The reason why you know an apple tree is an apple tree is because it's bearing apples. The reason how you know that followers of Jesus are truly rooted in the things of the Spirit is that we have peace, we have joy, and we are reasonable. We are the ones who know that we are aliens, that we are the ones where we have a home that is not of this earth. So we are the ones who can say, I can be reasonable about all the things that are going on. I can bring reason. I can bring truth, and I'll allow it to be shown to everyone. Church, but I am a pastor in a church, so I know because the congregation that I serve in is not here, so I can be honest. I can say this church, I don't know if we've been known even amongst each other as people who are reasonable and people who diffuse the conflict and people who bring unity and people who bring peace. One of the saddest things, church, is this exact example that Paul is addressing in this passage of scripture. But I feel as followers of Jesus Christ, We've almost said that the most important thing is to be right. Not the most important thing is so that there may be peace among us as brothers and sisters, but so that my point of view is the one that's taken into consideration and it's the one that's acted on. And we haven't been peacemakers. We haven't brought peace into the conversation, church. There have been times I've had to repent where my desire to be right has been placed above my, my call to be a peacemaker in a situation. Church, I know this. Not because I work in a church, because I'm married. <laughs> and all the wives said amen, right? And the husbands, right? That we are peace, peacemakers. And sometimes I just want to be right rather than be someone who brings peace. And so... If, Church, if we, if we really are looking at this passage of Scripture, we find here that Paul is calling us to peace, and he's calling us to be reasonable, and he's calling us to have a reasonableness that is known to everyone. Church, my prayer is that we would be a church that we are known as the ones who are reasonable, not the ones who want to be right. And that among each other, that we are known as ones who recognize that we are made one in Christ. Jesus' prayer is that, Father, I pray that there would be one as you and I are one. Jesus' prayer is that we would be together, that we would be peaceful, that we would live peaceably with one another. That's Jesus' heart. In fact, in Ephesians 2, verse 13 to 16, it actually tells us what the cross has done and accomplished and how we've been brought in. Remember, last week I mentioned that we did nothing to deserve what Jesus has given us. Remember that from last week, if you weren't here, I said that, hey, listen, it doesn't matter who you are in this room, right? Jesus is the one who's given us everything. Only his righteousness has been given to us freely because he's rich in mercy. That we are, as children of God, the, the, the biggest recipients of the greatest participation trophy ever handed to anyone, that by grace and grace alone, we get into right relationships.
relationship with God. And it doesn't matter who you are, no matter how good you are. And I know that there's some people who disqualify themselves and say, I'm too bad to partake of that grace. The good news of the gospel, as I said last week, is it doesn't matter, right? Even if your sin was as long as a CVS receipt. I always say that. Jesus made a way. He brought you in. And so it says in Ephesians 2, 13 to 16, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you, meaning us, who, were once, who, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. The Bible is saying here that what Jesus accomplished by the, on the cross was that there was this wall of hostility between us. That there was this wall of hostility between us and the Father and us and each other. And what the cross did, the power of the cross, is it broke down the wall of hostility. Church, our job as Christians is not to build the wall back up. It's to allow the finished work of the cross to stay in place so that a person who lives 7,500 miles away from you in Harare, Zimbabwe, can come to Southridge and say, hey, listen, guys, we're brothers and sisters. And you can say, hey, man, I didn't grow up like you did. And I can say, I didn't grow up watching Dawson's Creek either. But we can all love the Lord. We have a relationship with one another. Amen. Amen. That's what the cross did. And so church, we ought to be not just people who have peace, but we ought to be peacemakers. We ought to be peacekeepers. Church, I, I know that some of you in this room, if you are the only believer in your family, or maybe your family, are the only Christians in, 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 your, in your greater family, right? Sometimes they look to you to keep the peace. Anyone in this room, because you have faith at that Thanksgiving table, everyone knows that, you know, cousin Jeff and, and, and Auntie Irene, and Irene actually means peace, but there's nothing peaceful about Auntie Irene, and you have Uncle J, and, you, and you're there at the table, and everyone looks to you to be the one who brings peace. Amen. Anyone be that in that position? Like where you're like, I just have to keep the peace. Rob, what do you think? And you're like, okay, this is what the Bible says. They're like, ah, oh, forget about the Bible. We're talking about politics here. And it's like, no, relax. And you're always the peacekeeper. And I know that. You're the maker of peace in your families. That's exactly the role that you should have. That is the role that God has given us to be the ones who bring peace with his conflict. It says that we are peacemakers. In fact, Jesus says this in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 9 when he's talking about the Beatitudes. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So when we sing these songs where we're like, I am a child of God. I am a child... It means you're declaring that you are a peacemaker by nature. Because the peacemakers are blessed and they will be called children of God. And what wells up and what tries to stop us from being peacemakers is our pride. Which means humility must be the thing that rules the day in our lives. That we're willing to say, I'm willing to lay my life down. I'm willing to lay myself down so that there may be peace in this place. But our pride, church, right, it creeps up. 
It's a very real thing. And that thing stops us from being the peacemaker that God has called us to be. Church, right now, even as I speak about peace, there's conflict in this room. There's conflict in your families. Some of you are like, no ways am I going to apologize. I did nothing wrong. No ways am I going to take that step toward my sister who I haven't spoken to for 20 years because what she did 20 years ago was wrong. And do you realize 20 years ago, it's 2003. Yeah, like you haven't spoken to them. But you are called a peacemaker. And yes, it was wrong. But in humility, church, we're called to lay our lives down and not to do it without discerning. Maybe you've done it a million times and you keep getting hurt. Use discernment in church because we've also been given that. But if you've never taken those steps toward those who have wronged you, then we don't understand what Jesus has done for us through the cross. It says, while we were yet sinners, church, Christ died. Not because we had taken steps toward Jesus. Jesus took all the steps that were necessary toward us. He says, I am going to pay the price with my life so that you may have this peace, so that you may be reconciled to the Father. And church, I know I am preaching to myself because I have a family. And I know there's conflict within my own family. And I cannot say these words with confidence and authority and say these words and not be willing to do the same things in my life. And I know it's difficult. And I know there's risk. But are you a child of God? Then are you blessed? Are you called a peacemaker? Then church, we ought to do that. That the fruit of peace that we've been given, it's almost as though it overflows into the lives of the people around us. And then Paul here, he says, he talks about us being peacemakers, but Paul also here, he, he brings something here where he tells us how, how, to, how to approach the Lord, like what to do in pursuit of this peace. And he says this, he, he says this almost as though it is easy. In verse 6, he says, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> do not be anxious about anything. Church, that is a hard thing to do, to not be anxious about anything. I can tell you, church, right now in this room, as Paul would say, as we read the word of God this morning, whatever it is that you're, you're, you're anxious about, the Bible is almost commanding us in this passage of Scripture, if not directly doing so, to say, do not be anxious about anything. And what Paul is saying here is not something new. This is something that Jesus would say to us to tell us to not be anxious, to not worry. Church, some of the things that are keeping us up at night and that we can't, we can't get sleep, we, we, we can't focus on the things that God has for us in our lives is, is birthed out of this anxiety that is rooted in not totally surrendering everything to God and trusting him with everything. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He also says, in everything. So don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, take it to God. Church, in prayer and supplication. 
and thanksgiving. We take everything to God. You know, one of the things I realize about Christianity is this. When I read the Bible, Jesus makes it clear that he is not calling us to give him 10% of our lives. That Jesus is not calling us to give 90% of our lives. But a follower of Jesus is saying, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I am literally a dead man walking. I'm saying I am no longer alive. Whatever Rob desired died, and now I take on the desires that God has for my life. So everything about me is God's business. Everything I carry belongs to God. Everything I have belongs to God. And the weight that I carry, the difficulties, the things that cause anxiety, I take them to the Lord. Church, it's surprising to me. When I ask people, have you prayed about that? And they go, yeah, I kind of have prayed. I'm like, that's a big thing happening in your life. And you kind of prayed about it? Have you taken everything to the Lord? Church, I want to encourage you this morning. We're called to prayer. And I want to encourage you too to tell you that I'm standing behind this perfect little high round table here and preaching the word. And I know that prayer is difficult. I know it's hard to make time for prayer in our lives. And I know, church, if, I, if I'm being honest, if I said, raise your hand, how many of you have something that you're anxious about and how many of you have prayed about it? Almost every hand will go up and say, yes, I've prayed about it. But how have you prayed about it is the question. And I'll be honest with you, church. Some of us, we've prayed about it before a meal. We're like, we're about to have a cob salad, and we're like, you know what, Lord, thank you for this food. And also this really big thing about debt and my house being foreclosed. Let's just throw it in there. Amen. Let's enjoy the cob salad. Like, church, to actually give time. Lord, I'm coming to you in prayer. And it says here, and supplication. Right? That word supplication is, is this 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 humble pleading with the Lord to say, I'm coming before you, Lord, and I'm crying out, help me, help. Jesus, help. And I, I'm, I'm removing all the things in my life. I'm making room for you, Lord, because the situation I'm in, I can no longer offer these prayers before a meal or just before bedtime. Church, but church, you're going to the Lord and saying, I am taking this seriously. I'm saying, Lord, I'm coming before you and I'm spending time at your feet and I'm pleading with you, Lord. Prayer is not our strongest muscle, church. I know that because I work in a church and I know that the least populated meeting in a church is the prayer meeting. Hey, let's pray. Even though Jesus says that my house will be called a house of prayer, sometimes prayer is the least thing that happens in the house of God. A church, I'm not pointing fingers. They all pointed at me as well. We need to take prayer seriously. How else would we be led by the Spirit if we're not seeking the Lord in prayer? I, I, to put it into a sporting term, how do we know the plays that God is calling in our lives 
if we're not in the huddle. If we've never gone and, and huddled with each other and gone, Lord, where do you want to take us? And this is the truth, church. A prayerless church is a dangerous church because they're being led by the very things in Galatians 5, the flesh and not the spirit. We need to pray, church, so that we may walk in step with the spirit of God, so that we may see the fruit that God wants to, wants to birth in us. And so, church, this call to prayer with supplication and thanksgiving and thanksgiving, thanking the Lord, saying, Lord, I know you've done this. You've done this before. I look back and I see your faithfulness. So I'm coming with thanks. Lord, thank you so much. You didn't owe me today, but you've given me today. I praise you, God. I have thanksgiving in my heart. You are faithful. You are faithful. And therefore, I will continue to walk and seek you in, in prayer. And, and I love in this passage of scripture that even, even if you look at, at Mark chapter 4, if you look at Mark chapter 4 when the disciples are in the boat and there's a storm that is raging and, 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 and they're and they desperate. You can tell, you can read just by reading the passage. You can, you can feel the panic in the boat. These disciples are like, Jesus, why would you tell us to get in the boat if you knew that the weather was going to be bad? Because we know you know a lot of things and the storm is raging. How many of us, our lives kind of look that way? That we're in a boat that Jesus said, that put, Jesus put us in and, and, and we're in the storm now and Jesus is asleep in the stern on a cushion while we're going through a storm. Anyone feel like Jesus is asleep in the midst of our raging storm? Anyone? I know I have felt that, church. But here's the deal. They plead with Jesus. They wake him up. They cry out. They say, don't you care that we're perishing? His disciples are like, Jesus, don't you care about us? And Jesus gets up, and I love the heart of God in that. He gets up knowing that Guys, you were not going to die because I was here. <laughs> you were okay. My presence was enough. Even in the midst of the storm, I was napping and I'm God. I knew it was going to be okay. But Jesus says, peace, be still. And it says that calm. There was calm after he says that. The storm ceased. But Jesus has words for the disciples and he rebukes them. He tells them. He tells them this. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? What is Jesus pointing to there? And Jesus is saying that my presence, my presence is all that you need. Do you not have faith to know that my presence is enough? Do you not have faith? Why are you afraid when I'm around? Don't fear when you have me. My presence is enough. My presence changes things. Church, God's presence in the midst of our storms changes everything. Have we invited Jesus into the storm that we're going through right now? Because his presence is what changes everything. His presence changes everything. I was thinking about this uh, last week. I went to watch, uh, I like soccer, I love soccer, and I've, I know I've just lost like three quarters of the church, they're like boring. It's like, it's like, it's a zero, zero. Um, but I, you know, I, 
I love soccer, and so I went to watch soccer with my family last week because the tickets were so cheap. Philadelphia Union were playing the New York Red Bulls, and the tickets were 15 bucks. I was like, family, we're going, and I took my kids, and because we're in Philly, and Philly fans are contagious, I saw some things come out of my children and words come out of my children that I'm now praying for and just knowing a direction to pray. But... We're at the soccer and we're enjoying this game at 15 bucks. And I was like, this is awesome. And because Philly won that game and won the next game, they were going to play Inter-Miami. And Inter-Miami have just got the, the, the greatest soccer player of all time in Lionel Messi. He's now in the United States. And he was coming to Philadelphia on Tuesday to play against the Union. So I put my name down. I was like, phone me when the tickets come out because I'm going to get a ticket because it's 15 bucks. This is going to be great. I'm going to take my family again. And so I get a phone call yesterday from the Philadelphia Union and they're like, okay, are you interested in buying the tickets? I'm like, yes, of course, 15 bucks, I'll buy eight. I'm a, you know, I'm a baller. And, um, and they're like, yeah, the, the, the tickets start at $350. And I was like, why? I was just there, it was 15 bucks. And I was like, yeah, um, Messi changes everything. <laughs> Because he's coming to, his presence has made a standing seat, like a, a standing only ticket, $350. I was like, this is wild. And so it is that Jesus' presence in the midst of the things that we're going through, when we invite Jesus in, it changes everything. That whatever it was that was happening, the confidence that we can have that Jesus is now here changes everything. Church. Invite him in to the midst of that battle. I don't know what your battle is, but I know that there is a battle. I don't know what the conflict is, but I know that there is conflict. And church, if there's no conflict in your life, and there's no battle in your life, then pray for the country. Invite Jesus in. Maybe like, I don't know what to pray about. Pray about what's to happen over the next year and a half. Jesus, may you be present in the church and may you fortify the church so that as we go into whatever is to come for the United States of America, that we will be known for our reasonableness, that we will be the peacemakers, that we, our fruit will be so evident that many will come to know you because we are reacting counter to how the world is reacting. Where there's conflict, we are the ones who are bringing peace, the peace that Jesus gives us, the peace that surpasses all understanding because we've laid down our lives, we've laid down our pride, and we've taken taken up and picked up our cross and have decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back. Church, let us be the church that Jesus has actually called us to be. And so we know that his presence is everything. His presence is everything. And church, I want to say this. As Jeremy preached and Pete said that this working, this fruit of the Spirit we cannot manufacture a church. We cannot create the peace of God in our lives by ourselves. It is only by the Holy Spirit. And church, if we continually pursue to try and manufacture this peace, we will have it only for a second and we're working at it again and again until we're exhausted. Has anyone tried to be the peacemaker in their own strength? It is exhausting, church. We're called to have this fruit manifest in us 
by the work of the Holy Spirit and only a bias by His Spirit. Otherwise, we'll be exhausted, church. The, the problems in this world are too big for you to handle. They're only capable to be handled by the hand of God. It is only by the Holy Spirit. And I, I have a car, and I've had a car for the last few, you know, the last eight years, nine years. Ever since I had kids, my car has changed completely. Church, no matter what I do, no matter how much I clean it, no matter how many times I vacuum it, like I'll always find something and it's exhausting, church. I'll try and work at it and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Cheerios, Chex Mix or, or, or Cheetos, every time they seem to find their way into the back of my car and populate every little crevice in my car, no matter if I ban them, they're there. If I tell them, don't, if I don't buy them, they'll get them somewhere else. Churches are pretty guilty for that. They buy them, they get them. Here's, here's something to go put and dump in your dad's car. And I'm like, every time... I'm vacuuming, vacuuming, vacuuming. And again, it's almost as though my children, when they see a clean car, they're like, challenge accepted. We'll have this back in, in, in looking like it was last week in no time. My kids, that's exactly what it's like. And I think of the issues in this world that we need the peace of God to come and, 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 and be upon those things, church, in our own strength are like the backseat of my car. We're constantly working ourselves out, working and working for something that we will never be able to do in our own strength. Yet when Jesus steps in, that peace is long-lasting. When Jesus steps in, that peace, it surpasses all understanding. Have you ever seen that in the midst of a storm, church? Have you ever seen in your life where the peace of God comes in? And I'm, and I'm not promising here, church, this morning that if we go Go to God in prayer with our troubles. God is going to change our situation. He's going to calm the storm. Oftentimes, when we go to God in prayer, the peace is given to us regardless of the circumstance changing. It's as though the storm stays, but our posture in the storm is now one that understands the peace of God. So whether we're going through a battle uh, with disease and sickness and illness, our peace, the peace of God now comes upon us and we go through that valley, that dark valley of the shadow of death, we go through it with the peace of God. Prayer changes us, even if it doesn't change the circumstance. God's peace is bestowed upon us, even if we don't, even if anything doesn't change. And people look at that, and that is the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's the peace where people look at you, church, some of you, when you're going through the darkest moments of your life. When you're going through unimaginable pain and devastating loss and people see a peace upon you and they go, how do you have that peace? When you're dealing with marital strife and people see peace in your life and they go, how are you doing this? Even though your situation hasn't changed, the peace that surpasses all understanding as Paul says it in this passage of scripture, it will guard our hearts and it will guard our minds. You know, church, uh, this morning, I, I pray that the results of peace will be evident in our lives, that our hearts and our minds will be guarded, that all the things that are after the peace of God in your life, the things that are trying to destroy and wreck the very things that God has, has, has given you 
For some of us, it's, our, it's even our faith. Like just being a, a pastor who hangs out with youth and young adults, sometimes what I see is these, these storms come into their lives and, 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 and what the enemy wants is, is not just for them to not be at peace, it's for them to walk away from the Lord. But it says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, it guards our hearts and it guards our minds. We are, our minds are now fixed and focused on the things that God wants us to, f- to fix them on and to focus on. That our, that our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That our eyes are not taken away off of that. It says here in this passage of scripture, Paul names some things. He says, finally, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Like where's our focus, church? Sometimes my focus is not on these things. Sometimes my focus is on all the negative things, all the things that are going wrong. But here we're asked that when we have this peace, it says that our focus will change, our focus will shift from the things that we think are chaotic and the things that are not just and the things that, that are not fair and the things that, the, the, the things that our, hearts are, our cynical hearts want to lean into. It says stop focusing on that and focus on the things that are honorable, that are just, that are pure. And our focus changes, church. This morning, for some of you, I, I, I just want to, I just want to lift, I just want to lift this up so that unearth this, so that we can actually deal with it and pray with it. For some of us, it is focusing on the wrong things that have that has brought. There's no peace in your life. For some of you, you're just consumed with anger. In fact, you you don't even know why you're so angry. For some of you, your family is the one that, that bears the, the, the brunt of this anger that you've just felt, this dissatisfaction, whatever it is. Maybe it's your job, maybe it's your school, maybe it's the, it's the relationships you have and, and all this stuff. Maybe it's the world, maybe it is politics that has stirred you up and the things that are changing in the world. And now you're just an angry person. You're just bitter all the time and, and you don't want to live that way. You don't want to live that way. And in the quiet of your heart, when you're alone, maybe out there you're okay being known as the angry person, but inside, in your quiet time, in your time alone with the Lord, you're like, Jesus, take this anger away. I'm done. This morning, I want to encourage you to take those things to the Lord this morning. Ask the Lord to fill fill your life with peace. Pray to the Lord that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that it will be with you. For some of you, maybe it's circumstance. Maybe the storm that's raging in your life right now is, is, is cancer. And you're like, I cannot find peace in that, Rob. As difficult as it may be, take that to the Lord. Ask the Lord to bring peace in your life. For some of you, you're you're anxious about your children. For some of you, you raised them in the church and they're not here. They walked away from the Lord. You're like, God, where did I get it wrong? I did all the right things. 
and the storm is raging. I'm at odds with my children because I'm rooted in, in, in my faith and they're so far away from the Lord that every time we speak, there's conflict. I, I ask you to take that storm, take that, take that thing that is, that is just weighing you down, take that to the Lord. Invite Jesus into that space. This morning, church, let us deal with the things that, that Jesus is asking us to deal with. And then for some of us, church, maybe it is the fact that those things have happened that has given us the wrong perception of who Jesus is. And we've just become more bitter, not toward one another, but toward the Lord himself. That this bitterness has taken root in our hearts. Where were you, Jesus? Why did you fall asleep in the storm? This grief that I'm dealing with. I want to encourage you this morning. Take it to Jesus. Now I was in five below, and I'll close with this. I was in five below a few months ago. And because everything costs less than five dollars, you just pick it up and you take it to the till, which is awesome. But I found this picture. And it was a picture of what I'd like to call Swedish Jesus. And and Swedish Jesus has got his fingers crossed and, and, uh, and it says what I feel like the world thinks of Jesus, right? It says, I saw that. <laughs> and I don't know, some of you, your picture of Jesus in your lives right now, it's, it's almost like Jesus is watching you and he's waiting to say, gotcha, I saw that. Everything you do in secret, I see it, I saw that. And it's a, it's a, it's a red X against your name. Or a demerit. And I was thinking about where I wanted to put this in my house. And I thought, maybe I'll put it by the cookie jar in my kitchen. So that every time my kids go and try and grab a cookie, they, le- they at least know that uh, Swedish Jesus, who's acting like a spiritual ring doorbell camera, is watching them. Right? And then I tucked it away. I was like, I, I never want them to have that image of Jesus. But actually... Like this is an accurate picture of Jesus in the sense that Jesus sees what we go through. That that thing that you went through, that difficulty that you went through, Jesus is not absent. He's saying, I saw that. I saw that pain. For some of us, the bitterness in our hearts is not in your control because something happened to you years ago that is unimaginable, that has wounded you and scarred you for life. You're not bitter and angry for no reason. It's not like you don't have peace for no reason. It is because of something that, that was done to you, something that happened to you that you had no control over. And Jesus doesn't say, I was absent from that. He says, I saw that. I saw that. And he grieves with us and weeps with us and, and hopes. And, that, and that's what he's done in the cross. His, the hope is, is this. The hope that we have is someday there will be a day where there will be no pain, where there will be no tears, where all we will know is peace. Because Jesus saw that. But this morning, church, as the, as the band comes up, I want us to to take a little moment, a little time, to take a couple of minutes, church, to actually take those things that are weighing us down, 
those things that are so heavy in our lives, those things that are stopping us from experiencing this peace that, that, that Jesus so, so, so desperately wants for us. And maybe we've only had those mealtime prayers. Maybe we haven't even addressed it because how could we take that to the Lord? Would he even hear us? I want to encourage you this morning, church, for a couple of minutes. Now, you don't have to pray out loud. Maybe you can just pray under your breath. Maybe you can lift those things that you've, you've never lifted to the Lord. Maybe you can lift people up. Church, maybe there's someone in, in your life that you refuse to reconcile with, refuse to make peace with. I tell you that you, in yourself, in your own strength, you cannot bury your pride by yourself in order to make the steps necessary to bring peace in that relationship. But I know that what Jesus wants for us is peace. And I know that if we ask for that peace, he is faithful to give it to us. Maybe this morning, as we pray, just a couple of minutes, we bow our heads and maybe we pray and we, and we lift these things up to the Lord. And, and then I'll close this off in prayer before we continue to sing more words from the depths of our hearts in worship to the Lord, crying out to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, we ask for peace in our lives, Lord. We ask that we would have your peace, Lord. A peace that is only found in you, Lord. Not the, the peace that the world gives, but the peace that you give, Jesus. That, that is what we desperately cry out for this morning, Lord. So I pray, Lord, for every person that's lifted up these prayers, Lord. For, for, for every person that has, that has cried out to you this morning, Lord. Whether it's their health, whether it's their relationships, whether it's their families, Lord. Whether it's their, uh, their, their, their jobs, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you, would, that, you would, that you would hear us this morning as we, as we lift up these pleas with humility and thanksgiving, knowing, Lord, that those who sow in tears will reap it with joy, Lord. I know that, Lord, that you are faithful. And so I pray this, Lord, on, on every man, woman, and child in this place, Lord, that you would work this out, Father God. Father, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We know, Lord, that as long as you are here, as long as you are with us, which is your promise to us, Lord, to never leave nor forsake, 
But we, we know as long as your presence is with us, Lord, we're good to go. So Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, Lord, with faith filled in my heart and their hearts, Lord, we lift up these prayers and we say, Lord, may your will be done, Lord. May your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Bring it all to peace, the storm surrounding me, let it break at your name still, call the sea to still, the rage in me to still. Jesus. 
Jesus Church, amen? amen? We give everything to him. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe the Lord has been stirring something in your heart. Maybe even as the sermon was being preached, as you were hearing, the, even just reading the word of God, even as we're singing that song, God has brought things to mind that you're carrying these heavy weights. I want to encourage you, don't leave this place without getting prayer. I would encourage you, praying with someone, pray with someone. There are people who would love to pray with you. My left, your right, right at the front here. Just if you, if you need someone to pray with you, just, just come up. And maybe, maybe this morning, maybe Jesus has become more clear to you. I praise God for that. Church, let us, let us go out into, through these doors and not extinguish the things God has stirred up in our hearts. Maybe it is to make peace with those that we're in conflict with. Church, let us go and be the peacemakers that God has called us to be. Amen. It's been a joy being with you guys the last two weeks. I pray you go in peace. Amen. Amen.